0: Hello everybody, Josh Neighbors here from the Locked On Nationals podcast, brought to you by rockauto.com. Go to rockauto.com for the best prices on parts for your car or truck. On today's show, Grant Paulson from 106.7 The Fan in D.C., NBC Sports Washington, as well as uh, SiriusXM MLB Radio. Grant and I discuss the rough day for Major League Baseball in terms of the news, what the Nationals need to do to succeed in a 60-game season, and then we also hit upon the Redskins' name change. Grant is a great authority in all things D.C. sports, and so a lot of you guys, if you're like me, if you're a fan of uh, you know a couple of the D.C. teams, a lot of Nationals fans are Redskins fans. So it was nice to talk to Grant and get his perspective on that because uh, the Redskins have such a, a deep and ingrained history in the uh, sports culture of D.C. So here's my conversation with Grant Paulson. 3-2 to Suzuki. Kurt Suzuki! See you later! The Nats have won it! Seven runs in the bottom of the ninth! This is deep to center field. Bellinger's back! It's a grand
1: slam! Kendrick with a 10th inning grand slam to break it open. The former Dodger breaking hearts of Los Angeles. The kick in here it comes. Swing
0: and a miss, swing and a miss, swing and a miss. And a World Series game seven winning Curly W is in the books. The celebration is on the Washington Nationals are the world champions. You are listening to the Locked On Nationals Podcast, your one-stop shop for news, analysis, and conversation surrounding your reigning, undisputed World Series champion Washington Nationals. Now, here's your host, Josh Neighbors. Exciting podcast today. Grant Paulson joins me. Grant, I mean, I'm not sure what to, you know, for your bio, Where we'll go first. 106.7 The Fan, uh, Caps pre and Post Game on NBC uh, Sports Washington. You also work for SiriusXM, uh, MLB Network Radio. We live for The Athletic as well. Um, Good to have you on. I mean, D.C., man, we were complaining about not having sports for a long time, and there is news about every single team, whether it be the, the, the uh, Nationals, the Capitals, the Redskins. Um, they all have something going on right now. And we'll have to start with, with baseball. Really bad day um, for the MLB. Testing has been an issue. The Nationals, amongst other teams, that had to cancel workouts they had scheduled today. Um, Mike Ritten was saying, you know, if things were continuing at this point, the season is in jeopardy. What are your thoughts on what's happened today with Major League Baseball and just kind of how it's fit the narrative of them being um, asleep at the wheel, I guess?
1: Yeah, it's a mess. I think baseball and the players, to a large extent, got so caught up in the financial battle that they had going with each other to try to get the most money possible and try to win as far as how many games were going to be played and what the pro rata was going to be, you know, in the economics of the return of the sport that they kind of missed the mark on making sure that they got this right from a health standpoint. Uh, they've got a protocol in, in place. They've got a plan that they felt good about, but the execution of that plan is leaving a lot to be desired, and it's far from efficient. And as you said, the Nationals, among other teams, the Astros, there are others, uh, basically said today they can't. Continue to practice if baseball doesn't get this right. So Mike Rizzo sent out a statement, the reigning champion president of baseball operations in D.C., and he said that he was canceling practice because the Nats last took their COVID tests on July 3rd, three days ago. They were supposed to have had those results back well before their workout today. They didn't get those results back. And so what the Nationals decided to do is not work out. Rizzo says, I can't put my players and staff at risk and and risk their health when I don't know who has and who doesn't have COVID. That's the whole point of these tests. So he kind of took a stand, and as you said, he said to baseball, if they can't get this squared away quickly, not just that summer camps are going to be uh, at you know, major jeopardy, but that the whole return in, in the 2020 season is going to be in jeopardy.
0: What I find really interesting is you, you think about the sports that have returned, UFC, top-ranked boxing, EPL, Bundesliga, you know, NASCAR. I know that the PGA has had some issues they've all done a really good job of testing and responding. I know the UFC had some issues in the beginning, but you you think about how well that the others, you know, sports have been able to do. And you look at the major league baseball and you just kind of throw up your hands and say, how does this happen? I mean, how, how do these guys, you know, not get this handled? And they said, you know, obviously the MLB just had a statement where they said a couple, you know, unforeseen issues, but that just can't happen. I mean, it's completely unacceptable. Is
1: it not? well it certainly is you know a couple things I think that could be complicating factors for them obviously the scope the number of players is is going to be larger than any of the outlets or leagues you just mentioned so that makes it difficult clearly Uh, unlike basketball and hockey you don't have everybody in a bubble or in a you know a hub so to speak when when they report in the NHL you've got guys going back and forth from their ballparks to their homes interacting at gas stations and Take out restaurants or wherever they're going to be living with other human beings. So they're not secluded. So I think those are all issues. But baseball had a fight that the other sports haven't been fighting between the owners and the players to even get the financials in place to play. And, and again, I think that was their number one priority for several weeks. And I think they took their eyes off the ball, if I could use a bad analogy. I mean, the, the number one goal all along needed to be the health of the players and the health of everyone involved in Major League Baseball, and that was all that mattered. And instead of figuring that out for weeks, like Adam Silver in the NBA and Commissioner Bettman in the NHL, and you can go through all the other sports you just named, they spent the vast majority of the last couple of months fighting over money. And the result, I think, was they were not prepared to execute this plan properly.
0: And and the one thing that we kept hearing at the end of the negotiations was that health and safety was the last thing talked about. So, I mean, you know, it does feel like it may, you know, may have been a bit hasty there. Um, and, and the plans weren't all the way in place for that. If you were a player, would you feel comfortable playing right now?
1: That's a great question. It's so hard to say. I don't know everything that they know, but I would say off off the top of my head, maybe this is controversial. I would say, yes, uh, I would, you know, and it's not that I don't take the, the coronavirus or COVID-19 very seriously. I do, I, I see and read, some of the tragic stories that everybody else is. But, you know, by and large, these guys are are in the primes, not only of their careers, but of their lives. They're extremely healthy um, and they are getting the benefit of testing and some precautions at work that very few of us are. Um, Now, you know, people in my industry are largely working from home and we're not being asked to put ourselves on the line going into the office there's a lot of people around the country like that, but there are plenty of people, whether it's that are you know working at a gas station or a restaurant or serving uh, in some other industry who they've got to go in and they're not getting tested every single day and they don't have some of the luxuries that these baseball players have. So I think I would look at that and I would say, you know what? Baseball is working really, really hard to make sure that I'm going to be all right. Um, and maybe more importantly, you know, based on the, the type of shape that I'm in and as a, you know, top of the line athlete in this country, uh, I'll probably be okay. So I think I would play, but I certainly understand players who are more worried about it and who have not made that decision.
0: Yeah. And I've, I've been wondering about this, you know, you try to think about the opportunity that a lot of these guys are going to get, especially if some of these players can drop out. I mean, if you're a young guy, you know, you're going to have some chances to play, you know, and, and, I was, you know, honestly a bit, a bit surprised, you know, with Joe Ross. You know, think about the opportunity at hand for Joe Ross with the Nationals. You know, him not playing. I mean, as we kind of transition to the team, you know, you think about the guys that we know for sure. I mean, Ryan Zimmerman, Joe Ross, and Wellington Castillo. Zimmerman, among them. You know, you got obviously his concerns with his family, very valid but what do you think the Nationals can do to kind of replace, you know, you can't replace that leadership, but they've got now got a hold of fill. I mean, they might need to bring in another, another right-handed bat. If you look down that 60 man roster, I'm not sure there's a guy you trust, you know, that, that you can bring in as a bat to DH or play first or whatever it is, uh, you know, to fill in their lineup.
1: Yeah. I mean, Zimmerman last year, well over 300 against lefties and for his career has hit a little over 310 against Southpaw. So, You're missing him in that regard, I think, more than anything else. You mentioned his leadership, which is tremendous. I think they'll be okay. You know, assuming that other players don't decide to opt out now with some of what's gone on over these last few days. Uh, Howie Kendrick, who becomes your first base DH right-hander that Zimmerman was, those two guys were going to split some time in that role. Uh, He's in his mid-30s, obviously, now closer to 40 than 30. Uh, but he's a great leader. And Adam Eaton, who's a veteran and a really veteran clubhouse, is a guy that I think when he says something, it matters. Uh, Mac Matt Scherzer, even though he's a pitcher, which is odd from a leadership standpoint, you know, is one of not just the best leaders on the Nationals, but in all of baseball. I mean, he was the guy sending the messages to players from the association as, as they were fighting the owners for those several weeks. So I don't worry much about that clubhouse, to be honest with you. Last year when they won the World Series, they were the oldest team in baseball at one point uh, during their stretch run when they were on fire. And the the roster has not changed all that much uh, barring, you know, a loss here or there of a guy like Anthony Rendon. So uh, I think more important than anything else, it's it's that they just now are a little bit more thin. You know, Eric Thames, who's going to play first in DH, was going to essentially platoon a little bit, big left-handed bat against right-handers with Zimmerman and Kendrick, and and Kendrick would spell Castro a little bit at second. So now I think it's a lot more – Howie and a lot more themes maybe than you were planning on but your point's correct as far as the, the first baseman in the system you, you're just not going to get much there i think you could also see a, a dribble cabrera play a little bit of first but a big postseason for the nationals um, a carter Keyboom obviously is going to be the, the guy at third base right now um depending on how it all shakes out with who's going to be in who's going to be out and when the final word comes down on, on what players think because i i've been told that not just with the nats but all around baseball because of the the zaniness of the last few days, there are some players kind of rethinking their goals here in the next few months.
0: Which, and what's really interesting is you, you think about, you know, the Nats are obviously in, in a World Series of the title defense. And, I mean, I think they like their chances coming back. And then once we heard that that the league would be split into, split into regions, I mean, it is all killer, no filler in that East region. You know, you think about the Nationals having to play 30 games against the Phillies, Braves, and Mets. And then, you know, four against the Yankees, four against the Red Sox, four against the Blue Jays who weren't bad, and then four against the Rays. I mean, you know, the Nets have a really good team. I, I think everybody feels pretty confident in saying that. But any trip ups at all, like last year, are going to cost them. It's pretty, I mean, it's pretty insane the quality of baseball we're about to get from this eastern part of the, uh, the major leagues.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the, the way that they're doing the schedule, which is probably the only way to do it as far as COVID goes and this weird, quirky reboot it's a killer for teams like Washington because the geography just says that, I mean, that the strength of the sport in a lot of ways are in those two divisions, but you're right about the East. You know, they obviously have the 10 games against the Marlins, which I don't think Miami is the pushover that people think they are after some of the off season acquisitions that they made. Now you should handle them, but you know, best case scenario, that's probably seven and three more six and four and and now you're talking about trying to really chop wood as you said against some strong teams in the division the Braves should absolutely make the playoffs the Mets have a chance to I would say that the Phillies are you know a precipice of a playoff team maybe outside looking in by a couple of games but built to make the postseason Uh, and and you mentioned kind of the cross league play of the American League East teams they got to deal with as well uh, other than the Orioles so yeah it is a absolute treacherous Arduous schedule, there's no doubt. But they've got the pitching with Strasburg and Scherzer and Patrick Corbin to take a series from anybody, as they proved all the way through October last year against some really high end teams like the Dodgers, the Cardinals, and the Astros.
0: Today's Locked On Nationals podcast is brought to you by RockAuto.com. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional and do it yourselfers. RockAuto.com's prices are the same for everybody and are always low. RockAuto.com offers the lowest prices possible rather than changing the prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do. RockAuto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or account login. Go to RockAuto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write locked On" in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, always low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com Dot com. I, and I think what's interesting, too, is you think about, yeah, the schedule's tough, but this team knows, I guess, how from the word go, right? Like, they, they've got to, you know, obviously, you've got to turn it on once the season starts. But this is a group you trust to do that. Like, the last baseball game we saw them play, they took a Game 7 of the World Series on the road. This team knows how to fire themselves up. They've got a bunch of leaders who know have been in the most high-pressure situations. I think in terms of, like, you know, when you look at the makeup and what team is best equipped to handle an odd, different, quirky, weird situation with a tough schedule, it's probably the Nats. And and I know the Braves are probably the most talented team, and if it was a full season, I'd fancy them to win the division. But I kind of like the Nationals now due to the shortness, due to kind of them having an older, more experienced roster. What do you think?
1: I get that. Yeah, I think you're right about that. Someone was asking me the other day, like, what do you think is the best way to put a roster together for a sprint like this? Who benefits the most? And and my point was I think if you're an older roster – and you know how to operate in the off season and you know how to prepare yourself without coaching staff around you, without a manager breathing down your neck. Now I just think in general, if you've been playing for 10 years and you're 32 years old, you're probably better off in this weird quirky three month span, keeping yourself baseball ready than a guy who might be 24 and, and very talented, but younger and who has been around a lot you know, less time. So I, I buy that. I also think strong Bullpens, the Nationals spent money this offseason to try to address that. Uh, strong pitching staffs, just like you would have in any normal sprint, nor, are going to greatly benefit from this as well, uh, just like you would in, in kind of any short series, so to speak. So I think they'll be fine. I think they, they match up well. You know, people, I would say just in general, though, I, I don't think understand how massive the loss of Anthony Rendon was, how much that's going to hurt them, and how unbelievable he was all of last year uh they still have a superstar in Juan Soto who's going into his third season who's just 21 years old who's going to be one of the great players in the sport for a long time and and I really believe could make 400 to 500 million dollars in a few years but I think he's going to pay for not having Rendon a little bit this year and not having the the Robin to his Batman or vice versa you know in the lineup with him so he could take a small step backward and and if the first year without Rendon means a little bit less Soto as well then you might start to wonder where that offense is going to come from. And a guy like Ryan Zimmerman not being around won't help that.
0: Yeah, and schedule coming out later tonight, it's going to be interesting to see kind of how things set up. And, you know, we're, I guess, 18 days away. I'm curious to see if we even make it there, given the recent developments. I'm confident that we will. I mean, I'm probably 80% confident we will. What would you say you are out of 100% your confidence towards us?
1: That they open on the day they're supposed to, I would say probably like 75 70%. Ah, uh, someone asked me though, about you know right now today, how confident am I that the postseason will go off and a championship will be awarded, essentially, the trophy gets handed out when it's supposed to. And I'm way less confident. I would say like forty five or fifty percent on that just because you know this all changes day to day, obviously, right. but the trend right now is not great, but there's no reason to even look that far down the line, as you said. I- I think three weeks from now, if baseball can, can get its act together in the next couple of days, you get the season started. And everyone knew this would not be perfect. You know, people are going to take victory laps because this has come, become very political and people want to be right more than they want things to work out. Um, but I think what's important is, you know, you keep players safe and at whatever pace you can, you, you try to keep chopping wood and, and try to get the season started.
0: Uh Switching topics and we'll kind of end on this little conversation here, but I mean the biggest news in d c in terms of sports is Washington Redskins. A lot of people who listen to this podcast are also uh Washington Redskins fans as well. The name is you know it, it looks like it 's heading towards being changed, and i mean it 's something that you know you' almost never kind of uh, imagined doing it growing up in a redskins household and um you know it's it's good to see i mean the are, that Dan insider that there that there can be pushback and something can you know happen that, that he doesn't agree with, because I think a lot of Redskins, think that's, their, that's their biggest concern is how long Dan Snyder has kind of held himself uh, over this team, and he's not held accountable at all. And seeing the corporate giants like FedEx and Walmart, um, you know, step in in a positive way, in my opinion, is the big story here. I mean, how, how are you feeling about the name change, the process? There's so many layers to it. Um, for, you know, forget the actual what the name change will be but just the process itself and kind of how quickly it's happened.
1: Yeah, it's been amazing. It's simultaneously taken forever and like 30 seconds at the same time because, you know, there was no movement whatsoever. I mean, in 2013, Dan Steiner did an interview with the USA Today, and he said to put in all caps that he'll never change the name. And so they did. They printed the word never in all caps. And that was seven years ago, and, and nothing up until last week had really changed at all. And I don't think he's had any kind of an epiphany or feels any differently. But the story here, and you just eloquently put pointed this out, this is now about money, right? For a long time, a very loud minority of people, I would say, has told Dan Snyder to change the name. And whether you think he's right or he's wrong really doesn't matter, but he has told them effectively to kick rocks and that he was not going to listen to them. And he took his ball and went home and he kind of dragged the shot clock out as long as he could. Well, now FedEx and Nike and you name some of the other companies have come out and said, hey, we sponsor you. And financially, we're not going to continue to do that if you're not able to change the name. Uh, you've now seen Walmart and Target and, and other places stop selling Redskins merchandise within the last couple of days. So that's what's happening here. Uh, he's not going to have a choice but to change the name. It seems like this is now happening. I mean, it is official. It's not a debate as to if it's going to happen as much as when it's going to happen. And I'm, I'm shocked with how quickly this is all moving. As I said, it's been years and years and years of just debating if it was even possible or if he'd ever do it. And now within the span of a couple of days, and not only has he decided that it's going to happen, or he has not, but does it seem like that's the case but he doesn't really have much of a choice in the matter. It doesn't seem like
0: it's, it's, I mean, I thought about how this moment would feel all the time. It's, it's bizarre because the one thing I am feeling is, you know, I'm kind of relieved because there's going to be something positive. You know, it's nice to see people saying positive things about the Redskins on Twitter, because whether it's ownership, the way the team's managed, the way the team's coached, the way the team's played. I mean, I, the last time the Redskins were relevant was, you know, seven, eight years ago. And, Robert Griffin III, I think about my Redskins fan. I'm only 20, 23 years old. Robert Griffin III was the highlight, and, you know, it ended all horribly. And, and Reds, I mean, I think you see a lot of Redskins fans, you know, have kind of checked out of, of a team, you know, the, the, obviously the season ticket sales and everything like that. There is a certain amount of it's nice to see something that is perceived as positive going on because there has been none of that. I mean, it's, it's kind of people – I've heard the, the comparison to the Knicks, like with bad ownership, your team's going to be hopeless. James Dolan has put the Knicks in that situation. I felt the same way about the Redskins for a while too, and I think there is a section of fans that, obviously, that you you grow up for you root for a team your entire life, and you're sad to see the name change, but the team is still there. You know, the 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 concept, the reason you root for them is still there. So it is nice to see some positive reaction towards this. I think.
1: Yeah, and I think they will get a very positive response to changing the name, and I think. You know, there's going to be some negativity from people who didn't want them to. And that's a small collection of fans, I think. At this point, we're going to be upset by that. But the larger group of people, not only locally, but obviously nationally, want them to. And those people will be really happy with the decision that they feel like they've righted it wrong and they've made the change. I'm of the belief that they've got to get it right, though. And that basically, the better the name, the better the logo. The better this will be received locally.
0: Uh, Any suggest? What are the things that you've heard that you've liked for a, a change?
1: I've heard a lot more that I don't like.
0: <laughs> I admit Than you, that I like. I'll yes, I agree. That.
1: Um, Let's see. I mean, the one that I've always kind of liked for the last few years, I know a lot of people don't, and it's probably not realistic, and that's fine. I like the name Red Hogs. Uh, it's an actual animal. Could be a pretty cool logo, I think, whether it's like a cartoony looking, um, you know, like a hog, or you actually use, a, you know, an angry hog uh, kind of emblem logo, I think that would play. I like the idea of the hogs paying homage to their great offensive line. Right. Um, I wouldn't mind the hogs without the red in front of it. You know, just the Washington hogs I think would be cool. Um, I've, heard, I've heard a couple things with red at the beginning that I like a little bit. Uh, red tails, you know, the Tuskegee Airmen, right. I think um, – would be a really cool tribute to a really important group of people. Uh, I like, uh, I heard Red Hawks today. I thought that wasn't bad at all. Um, Have you seen the Red Spears?
0: Have you seen the Red? The Red Spears is the one I like because they can really, uh, have you seen this one on Twitter? There's been a whole No, I haven't seen that. So Red Spears, it's really good. It's a lot of the same logos. Obviously they have that alternate helmet and logo, which is the arrow with the feather coming off. I like that logo. They keep the, the idea is you keep the color scheme, you keep that. And your primary logo goes from instead of the Native American, you know, head with the that symbol goes to an R with the with the um, the arrow going through it, and which
1: they've used. You know, as you said, right. they even used that in '04, uh, I think, um, during the Gibbs era. Maybe it was a couple years after '07. Jason Campbell was quarterback, yes. and yes, and they wore and it was the, like yellow um, on yellow. It was a good look. Yeah, I wouldn't mind that. I mean, here's my my one concern would be I think if you're going away from the Native American name. Now, this is a different discussion, obviously, right. because whether it's warriors or red spears or anything like that, it's it's not a pejorative. It's not a, a term like Redskins seems to be uh, as we dig and find out about the history. But I, I think because you're coming from Redskins, you might have to avoid the idea of that theme altogether. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas, you know, if you're changing your name for a reason, you know, whatever reason, you move from another city to another city, and let's say you're the Lions, and you just settle on red spears, that might not be a big problem. I think coming from redskins, you've got to be a little bit more careful. And I might be inclined if I'm Snyder, Ron Rivera, anybody else involved in this, just to say, you know, what, we got to try to get as far away from this as possible. There's a logic out there and there's a rationale, not necessarily described to it, but people say, well, find a way to pay homage to, you know, and to show some reverence for Native Americans with the next name. And while that would be a really cool, touching kind of classy way to spin this thing, um, I, I don't know. I think you got to be kind of careful, just from where you're coming from.
0: Yeah, I agree. It's going to be interesting. I mean, you think about it—one of the most fifteen valuable sports franchises on the planet, according to you know, according to Forbes, always has that list. And the Redskins. I mean, at one point they were in the top ten. Obviously, they've fallen off, but they're changing their name, which is this weird thing to thing to think about. With a massive brand like that going through a name change, so it's compelling. I mean, I think people like you and I are just we're really hoping it's good because we've, we've we've heard a whole lot more that we've disliked than we actually uh, uh than we actually like um grant where can the people find you what's the best place to listen to you find your work read you
1: sure yeah the easiest thing is uh check me out on twitter at grant h and i always kind of pump anything i'm doing there but uh the, the daily show in dc airs each day from 10 a.m to 2 p.m on 1067 the fan and, and that's probably the uh the best way to uh catch me talking sports
0: all right Grant paulson we really appreciate your time today on the show
1: my pleasure thank you